You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and all my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. My guest today is a Broadway child superstar turned full-on adult, nonstop Broadway mainstay, having appeared in the Broadway cast of Carousel, Hello Dolly, Cats, On the Town, Newsies, Bye Bye Birdie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and The Boy from Oz. He's part of the upcoming West Side Story film, and many of our listeners may have seen him on season eight of So You Think You Can Dance. Please welcome my buddy, Jess Prado. Hi, Jess. Hello. Hi, everyone. That's like the baby bio, because your bio is very long. You have been working in this business pretty much nonstop since what age? Since uh, 11. <laughs> okay, so that's pretty good. Tell, let's go back to the beginning. You're from New Jersey. Tell me how, like, what were you doing around the house that made your parents be like, let's get this boy in a tap class? Like, what was going on? Well, my start was very much like Mike from A Chorus Line. My sister, who's three years older than me, um, she started dancing first, and then I would always tag along with my parents uh, to go pick her up or drop her off to class, and then we would just stay. Sometimes we would catch like the tail end of a class. There was even moments to where I would get on my stomach and look through the crack of the door to see what they were doing because the door was closed. And uh, they they did think at one point because I have an older brother, and my older brother. They try to do that with him, try to, try to see like if they could get him in dance class. And, they, and he was like, no. No, thanks. No. But when they saw me have some sort of like an interest, they were like, yeah, let's give right. it a try. How old were you when you first started taking dance classes? Three. I was three. And were you the only boy? Uh, no, there was, uh, I think there were, yeah, there were two of us. There were two boys in my class. Oh my God, I love that. Normally you see those pictures that people post and it's like one boy in a tuxedo and like a hundred girls around. Well, that that did happen, but it was two of us. It was always us with like the cummerbund and like the tie. It was, yeah. I think one of the first, I think my first time dancing at my studio that I grew up training at was their annual spring recital. And it was, I think it was, don't let your boys grow up to be cowboys. And there's a picture of me just crying I think because I because I was three, I was such a baby, and my sisters next to me was like a duo picture of the two of us, and I'm just like in 
puddles just like <laughs> were you crying because you were like so happy or you were so stressed well i mean like i was i was a baby so yeah, it, it, didn't take, it didn't take much for me to cry about something um, but when i actually did that performance there's video footage too i didn't really do any of the dance i liked being on stage but i didn't really do any of the dance there was someone dressed up as woody the cowboy uh, off to the side and the whole number there's video just me waving just me waving oh, the whole right. time. I need to see this video. We have to post it on our Instagram. Okay. So when would you start getting good? Because you're the best dancer I've ever seen on Broadway, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I tell you that every time I see you, because legitimately I cannot take my eyes off you when you're in a show, you're so much better than everybody. So before we hit it, when did you start getting good at it? Oh, well, I mean, when I was probably around 10, I think that's when I really kind of got, you know, the interest to see more than just, you know, dancing on stage. I knew there was a world that I could probably fit into as far as, you know, my performance, because I was definitely a personality as a kid. And with my dance training and performing, I think when I was around 10 or 11 is when I was like, you know what, let me see what I can really do with this. So that was when auditioning went really skyrocketing just to kind of see what I could be available, just be interested in, you know, just to see if there was musical theater sh shows like regionally, Broadway, off Broadway. So, Did your parents find you an agent or were you going to open calls? Tell me about how that right, started. Right away, right away with open calls for sure. Backstage, one of them, absolutely. And then not long after that, I had my first agent. And uh, actually, I was supposed to do the tour. I booked the tour of Beauty and the Beast. I was supposed to play Chip. Right. But I was at the time, I think I was eight or nine. So that was definitely a little too young to go on the road. I mean, like we were just at that time, we were just auditioning just to audition, just be like, let's just see. This is just the experience of it all. So, but then not until I was 10 that I did my first professional gig, which was in Nashville in the Radio City Christmas Spectacular. Oh my God, how fun was that? It was a blast. It's like Nashville at that time, during that time of the year, during Christmas time, is just beautiful. And to perform at the Grand Old Opry was just unbelievable. I didn't really know at the because I was so young, but my dad, who came down with me for that time, was just enamored, just like taken back by just all like the wonderful history of the Grand Old Opry. It, it was a blast. And then and my kind of a perfect job to start because it's not like 10 years. It's like yeah. three months of your life. Yeah, exactly. And like I've done already a couple holiday shows to where that's just a great schedule in and of itself. We just commit for three and a half, four months uh, during the best time of the year. It's great. I loved it. So that was one really that I was like, I want to see what I can do more with this. And I know that I have something just want to know when I can really, you know, showcase it more and more. Because at the beginning, you know, because children tracks and all that stuff in shows was very, you know, adorable and such. Yeah. But when I got into high school was when I really kind of had more of like the interest and the drive to kind of see where my technique as a dancer and a, as a performer on stage could carry me. Well, let's talk about your first Broadway show. So you booked a vacation swing role in Boy From Oz, mm -hmm. starring Hugh Jackman, dreamy Hugh Jackman. Uh, <laughs> how did you get that job? Who do you remember telling you you booked it? Tell me about the beginning of that. Yes. So originally I thought that uh, they were looking for, because it was Peter Allen, it was a story about Peter Allen. So the agent that I had at the time uh, steered me just differently saying, you know, they're looking for blondes. So I was like, okay. Um, 
But then I cut to, I watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and Mitchell David Federin, who played young Peter Allen, is doing his big show-stopping number in the first act, When I Get My Name in Lights, in the middle of Herald Square. And I'm like, he's not blonde. Okay. Like, this is mine. This is mine. So, But then I eventually went in for a vacation swing. Um and I just went in, and actually, my friend Nicole Valens was a part of the casting. Happened her casting then, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. I mean, she's not dead, but um, she was such a great casting director in New York for a amazing. long time. Amazing. And uh, at the time, I did. I mean, like, no, she put two and two together. Well, I put two and two together afterwards, many, many years later, when Nicole said, uh, "Yeah, I cast you in Boy from Oz." I'm like, really? Wow. So she was behind the table throughout that whole little small window of time, but they needed to find someone to uh, commit for two weeks uh, in the middle of the run because it only ran for a year. I came in, I think the audition must have been in, yeah, maybe around January, like at the start of New Year. This was 2004. The show opened October 2003, and I was 11 years old. And I was just, I couldn't believe it that I, I was getting this opportunity to go in to really showcase what I can really, really do. Um, and then I got the call. I think I was at home. It was probably later on in the evening. And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was going to make my Broadway debut. Whether or not I made it onto the stage or not, I was going to be in a Broadway theater, you know, and really be really be a part of, you know, the community. What was your family's reaction to that? Because I always think that's such a cool thing. You know, like when you, especially if you have a sister who danced, you know what I mean? Yeah. What was that? Like, I mean, like, they just couldn't believe it. They knew that the work really, really paid off because we really were just hustling for the longest time. I even, going back to when I booked Beauty and the Beast, my grandfather, who had just watched my father and I go to auditions back and forth between the city, going through the tunnel back and forth, when he heard about Beauty and the Beast, he was like, I can't believe they actually did it. <laughs> <laughs> we were just reminiscing about it uh, not that long ago. We're like, wow, yeah. He was just, like, completely just in awe just like wow so when that really happened for uh boy from oz it was really a dream come true and then we just jumped right into rehearsal i think i had like maybe two weeks of rehearsal and then i was on standby for two weeks in the middle of february this was around valentine's day huh. and just being a part of that show in the it was kind of like the hub it was like the hot spot for a lot of people to go to because of hughes you know you know recognition just well, it was his, like a very hot ticket it was I mean, a very hot ticket. And like people were just like, they couldn't get enough of him. They couldn't get enough of the show. And I met a lot of great people along the way. And I remember Bobby Wilson, who was our child. Well, Wrangler's not the, really the name that they say anymore, child Wrangler. They what do they like, say now? I think they say child. I don't know. It's something different. It's, right. it's, a, little, it's a little bit more. Below if you know what it is. Go ahead. The, ed the etiquette is a little different. Right. Um, look at the terminology. Um, but I just remember like his spot where we would hang out was downstairs in the basement and we had couches, we had a TV. We watched all the like fun little things while the show was going on, just staying in our own like little nook. It was hilarious. So you never got to officially go on for young Peter Allen, correct? I got to go on one time. Awesome. Tell me one, about that. <laughs> one time it was, so this was my second stint in the show. So I, so I did it in February and then I did it again in August. And uh, they were kind enough to grant me one show. And on top of that, I mean, like just getting one show is crazy. Yeah. But then on top of that, they granted my family and friends 40 tickets. Stop it. Yeah. So that was just like, 
just crazy. I still have pictures from all of them at the stage door afterwards, just like, and like with Hugh Jackman, it was just, it was amazing. But the best moment of the whole night was at the very, very end. So at the end of the show, there's this huge spiral piano staircase that oh, like, I remember it very well. You remember, right? Like it's all the way up and like, it's just like, it's an amazing view. And like, I had never been on that staircase piece, yeah. until that night, until that night. Oh my god! And then you had like run down it. Oh yeah, it was just like it was we just very Annie coming to Daddy Warbucks at the yeah, end. Yeah, we just did like you know just uh, it was like sh- like maracas and stuff like that too. And it was fun because I, there was like a little dance phrase that Joey McNeely, the choreographer, made uh, for Young Peter Allen before like the song proper. So that was fun doing that. Like doing second turns on Broadway stage was hilarious. I loved it. Tell um, me about Hugh Jackman because he's the greatest. Like I'm so obsessed. So well, yeah. so Hugh, Hugh was the best. And uh, at the very end of the show, this shows you how much of a generous person, individual that he really, really is. At the very end of the show, um, curtain call goes as planned, as choreographed. Curtain comes down. Uh, and then he gestures to whoever is operating the curtain to hoist it back up. Hoist it back up one more time. And I was sa- I, I was standing right next to him during the bows. And he just pushed me as the curtain went up. He pushed me forward to give me one more final bow. Give me the last bow of the night. That's amazing. I mean, it's the best feeling in the world. And I saw, I mean, like that moment stands with, you know, still, you know, resonates so well with me and just the generosity, like not just him, but the other people who I've worked with who are, you know, headliners and such. I saw it again when I was in Hello Dolly with a lot of the understudies who got to go on. They always got the final bow. Beth Midler was always generous with her time with all those people, you know, who were understudying, who got, who were nervous, who were shaking in their boots. And then, like, they had that final bow. Like, that just shows you the generosity and the true um, value that these like, headliners like you really, really had. Also, like this old school theater spirit, you know, where they're taking care of the company and it's not about yeah. them, it's about, and that's a really amazing thing. And it was very clear that everyone in that building was in love with Hugh Jackman and that he we, took care yeah. of everyone. Yeah. He, he, like, he, when you have someone like that who sets the tone and the mood of a run, not just for the show, like for the audience, but the show, like, really for everything and the atmosphere backstage too, like, it, it like, when you have someone who really, really cares and really shows the best for everyone else as a representative of the whole show, like that is the best feeling because then then it's just like, you know, you're on cloud nine once you step foot in that stage door. It's just, it's, it's just amazing. Well, he'll be saving Broadway next year, so we can't wait for that. Are you in Music Man? <laughs> we, we'll no, talk no, no. I don't I, believe it. I'll believe it when I don't see you. Um, all right. So the next Broadway show you book is The Grinch, which you do for two years, two back-to-back years. But that was the original cast, like the first year at the Hilton or whatever it was called then. Yes. <laughs> is it the Ford Theater still? What was it called then? Do you no, remember? it was the Hilton. It was okay, the Hilton. All right. What's it called now? <laughs> it's called It's called The, the Lyric. Okay, the great. Lyric. I have no... I've like, I've lost track of that theater. It's like the American Express, Broadway. Okay, so you do Grinch for two years. Now you're an original cast with a bunch of kids. Obviously, Boy From Oz was just you and whoever the other kid was. Uh, tell me about doing Grinch and what that experience was like for you. Well, that was great because that was the first show that I got to do with a, with a bunch of other kids. There were 24 kids total in that show, but they but they sliced it in half so they're only 12. They were, they just kind of cut it into two, so two groups of 12. I was a part of the original company 
uh, and there was like a red cast and a white cast. And that's how they just kind of divvied it up. Um, and it was fun because we got to be a part of my cast got to be on an, an opening night, um, which was really a blast. And, you know, that show was just quirky and fun and all the holiday things that go with it, too. It was amazing. Um, just wearing all these amazing, outrageous, you know, exaggerated costumes that you make that you look like a who I had like hair extensions and things to clip on to my hair. I had to go to makeup and put like blush on my cheeks to make me look like a who it was just like, what is this? This is like, this is so unique in itself. Um, and so how hard was, is it to do something like that that is on Broadway and for four months or whatever, and then just go back to regular school and try to be a normal kid again? Yeah. I feel like that transition is very difficult. It can be abrupt at times. Depend well, I mean, for a holiday show, it's kind of set in stone because we know that it's only going to be a limited run. I mean, it's bittersweet when the new when the week of New Year's comes up and you know that the show is going to close because that's that's the end of the holiday season. Um, but I mean, like going back into middle school and then well i did it i did the grinch my eighth grade year and my freshman year um so th that was fun just to get you know just to have those weeknights to be like i'm gonna go i'm a student by day and then i'm a i'm gonna do my broadway show tonight my broadway show at night <laughs> um did, how did kids in school kind of deal with that were they cool about it were like tell me about that dynamic yeah uh, i think some people just I think I was just kind of like a mystery for a lot of people. Yeah. They just, I was like, you know, just kind of like, they didn't really understand it. I mean, a lot of people who are, you know, a lot of students, a lot of kids who I grew up with were not uh, in theater per se, whatever, in any capacity. So they they just couldn't understand it. I think, well, I did, when I was in middle school, I did one school musical. It was Singing of the Rain. I was Don Lockwood. Duh. Um, <laughs> and I remember... It was around that time, too. Uh, I mean, like, this kind of goes into a little bit of bullying that happened at times. But bullying was, was just a loose term. But this is the one of the only few times where it was really, really serious. And this is dating me because it's 2006. And MySpace was, like, the hot thing before, like, anything else came up. And someone uh, created a fake account uh, uh, on me. And it was bad. And it was bad because, like, it was obviously false accusations and things like that that were just not... Um, they were just not true. And, you know, I kind of, you know, thankfully had a little bit of thick skin. I mean, maybe I internalized it a little bit, but not as much as probably like my parents because they just couldn't believe it. Um, I was just kind of like just confused of the whole thing. Um, and then, wild jealousy that comes out from kids when they see a kid having any kind of experience that feels elevated. Right. And certainly, you know, watching a kid leave school on Wednesday mornings or whatever it is right. can really fire up some real anger. I mean, it, I mean, it can. And yeah. I, I, this goes to show the credit. I had to give credit to Mr. Mead, who was my principal at the time. And he really took good care of me during that particular moment uh, in my life. And he really was just a mensch. He was just like amazing, amazing person to you know, talk to, see how he can handle things. And he did it in the most professional and classiest way. Um, and, you know, I give, I, you know, I'm indebted to him really. And you're really. still auditioning for everything and anything that's coming up during these freshman, sophomore year. Oh yes. Yes. I mean, like during my freshman and sophomore year, I was going in for a lot of things and everything kind of changed a little bit once I got into junior year or yeah, junior year. Because that's when I was able to drive. And I was also able to go commute because my house is 10 minutes away from uh, like the like the local bus station. And that mm -hmm. bus station can take you into the city. So once I got my car, I could just go 
because when I was in Bye Bye Birdie, I got my license. So I was able to go to, you know, park my car, go <laughs> into the city. So weird. <laughs> so wait, what year was Bye Bye Birdie? Or senior or junior in high school? No, I was a junior in high school. That was okay. 2000. That was 2009. We started rehearsals in the summer of 2009 and went until January of 2010. Okay. So tell me about booking Bye Bye Birdie, which probably felt like a very exciting thing. Because now you're not like a little, like you're a legit teenager. You're driving. <laughs> There's no work for you all on Broadway. And here really? you here's this big group after right after 13, right? Yes. And yeah. I tried out for 13 and I made it really, really close, but I didn't get it. Sorry. I know I was bummed. I was really, really bummed. Um, but it was also the first time that I was really doing a proper eight show week schedule because the other things that I had done, Boy from Oz was not a consistent eight show week schedule. Uh Grinch was certainly not because it was a holiday schedule. So this is the first time that I was doing a real eight show week schedule. Um so that was fun. I originally didn't book Bye Bye Birdie. I originally didn't book it. Um, but then someone backed out. And then here's the best part. I was at the orthodontist <laughs> at, on the day that my mom got a phone call from my agent, <laughs> my agent, Nancy Carson at the time. Um, and yeah, so she wasn't in the waiting room. My dad was with me at the orthodontist. I was getting my braces tightened of some oh, sort. Man. I don't know. <laughs> it was hilarious. And uh, yeah. And then he found out because he was in the waiting room. And then I found out afterwards when I got home. I'm like, and like, you can just imagine me with like clear braces being like, with, like, you know, smiling from ear to ear being like. <laughs> Do they tell you like someone's dropping out and they have a spot for you? Uh, or you already gotten a no? Well, I knew, I knew because that's why I was a little disappointed at first that I didn't book it because I was, I knew that they had found someone else. There were only a few slots because yeah. there were five, one, two, three. Yeah, there were five young teenage male uh, ensemble slots, tracks for the show. Um, and I knew that I was not a part of that original bunch, but then one person backed down. So then I was like, well, good for that. Bye. But, but yeah, that was ju that. Just getting that reaction with just me, like you can just picture like little Jess Soprano at like uh, sixteen years old with like braces galore. Just I, my braces. I had braces for six years. Oh, six years. Well, your teeth are great now. <laughs> it all worked out. So you it became pretty out. close with John Stamos, who is the star of that Bye Birdie revival. How did that like friendship happen in a room full of? you know, teenagers that he probably wanted nothing to do with. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, he set the tone. It was, it was amazing. Like, you know, when you have people who are that generous, I mean, like, it's just, it, you know, they, they set the tone right away and they're amazing at first. I mean, like, I remember one of the first really true moments that he was just like a generous human being was he, cause he was playing for the beach boys. He plays for the beach boys occasionally here and there. Oh, I remember that episode of full house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he was playing a gig in, uh, Ocean Grove? Yeah, down the shore, down the Jersey Shore. And uh, because my parents also have a summer home in Belmar. So that was like, okay, well, it's gonna be nice. Cause we can go down to the beach and then we can go see the show. And it was amazing. And then we all and there was a bunch of us from the show as well. And then we all got to go on stage and sing Barbara Ann, which was amazing. It was just like this is hilarious in in and of itself. I mean, like, and like in this huge, like it wasn't a stadium, it was like this huge, like venue it was like three thousand. it was a huge place um but yeah it was, it was a blast it was truly a blast um and john like john set the tone not just him i really i really you know linked up and really kind of clicked with bill Irwin. bill Irwin was my guy he was the best 
It's so interesting. I've talked to a few of you birdie kids and you all have that same experience with Bill Irwin. It's so interesting. Why do you think he like took an interest in making sure you all had a good experience? Well, because, you know, he is really a true theater, you know, you know, he's just a true artist in that self. And he knows, he knows all of us are young, but he knows all of us have great potential. And I think he saw that in each and every one of us. And then for me personally, I remember I did the very, I did one of my very first, like it was a very, like a benefit that he asked me to do. And it was me and Bill, we were dressed completely identically. Like it was just like, and his garb, it's like, cause he was Mr. Noodle. So it looked mm-hmm. like Mr. Noodle garb. Yeah. It was like long vest, long baggy pants, big glasses, bow tie, everything galore. So, but it was, it was at La Mama theater down in the village. And it was my first time at La Mama down in the village. It was my first time taking a train, a subway down anywhere in New York. Um, and you know, he really took an interest in just like, you know, building more than what was, you know, already, we were already used to, you know, during the show. And it was amazing just learning from him. And just because I, because I love physical humor, I love physical comedy and he's one of the Kings of physical comedy today. So learning from him about pantomime and, you know, slapstick and physical comedy, like it was, and he did all that in the show too. So watching him was just a masterclass as well. So it was awesome. So Bio Birdie wasn't received extremely well by critics and some audiences. How <laughs> you're laughing, but <laughs> now I want to know, like, how did that affect your te- the teenagers? Obviously it affects adults a little different than it's going to affect the teenage ensemble. Were right. you like hearing that noise or you're laughing? It's so funny to watch you laugh. <laughs> Should I have yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm going to start with the with the review that kind of sets again sets sets it up perfectly. Um, I we came back. We had our opening night party at the Hard Rock Cafe, uh, Hard Rock Cafe, and then we went back home. And then my parents pulled up a review from the New York Times, and of course Ben Brantley was the critic. And he, I'll just set, I'll just kind of paraphrase a little bit. Um, the review included. Please don't send any get well cards to anyone at the Henry Miller Theater. No, it is not the case of swine flu. It is the case of the following. Tin ear, loss of comic timing, and the ability to make the audience think to themselves, where am I and what am I doing? <laughs> like, and I was reading this aloud and I was just kind of like, and like, cause I was 16. I didn't really understand any of this jibber jabber that they kind of eloquently try to put in the New York Times review. So I was like, so what does this mean? <laughs> Is this like good? Is this good? Are we hit? You weren't. No, we weren't. We weren't. We were far from it. Um, And I went, well, we were supposed to do, we were supposed to do a lot of different things. I think the show was supposed to extend through the spring. And then when that review came out, I think it, because we were, of course, remember before we extended to the spring, the the closing uh, performance was January 24th. And then they extended us. They were like, you know what? We're going to extend to April. And this was before opening night. Yeah. We're going to extend to April. We're going to go on The View. We're going to do all this fun press stuff. And then that review came. Opening night came. It was like a bomb. It was not good. So you weren't expecting it. You weren't like, this is, like, is going to well, be a hot hit. Like, I mean, there was a little there was a little bit of things that kind of trickled into there. They were like, okay, some things are definitely going to be flawed that we probably just can't fix in time. But um yeah, and like there were some particular, you know, figures in the production that probably, you know, were cause of that, mm-hmm. be it, you know, in you know, on stage or behind it. Uh, I think egos got in the way. I think, you know, just in the sense of, you know, stress and trying to figure out how to fix things didn't really come as quickly as everyone wanted them to. 
Um, but yeah, so, but like just to be, because I grew up with the movie. So that was just a fun experience just to do something that I grew up watching the movie and then doing it on stage. I mean, and you kids were great. Like you killed it. It was so fun to watch that sort of energy and spirit. And that was, that was a joy. No matter what. My, my mother was biased. She said, you guys were the best part in the whole show. <laughs> Um, Jess, we have to talk about pace and so you think you can dance and newsies and hello Dolly and all the things. So we're going to take a little tiny break and come back with Jess Leprado. Yes. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Okay, we are back with Jess Loprato. We are talking, we just finished wrapping up talking about Bye Bye Birdie, the Broadway revival. Talk to me about So You Think You Can Dance. Did that happen right after you graduated high school? Well, no. Actually, it started November 2010. So I was a senior in high school. Okay. That was my very first audition. And I uh, I was 18. I went to BAM in Brooklyn. And that was when they were having the open, you know, the city tryouts auditions. I only went to like four. It's Brooklyn, LA, somewhere, I think somewhere de- definitely down south and somewhere in the Midwest area. Um, or at- Atlanta. I think they went to Atlanta as well. Um, so I went to Brooklyn and that was my first time. And bef- like a lot of people don't, I'm, maybe a lot of people don't know, but there are a few other rounds that you have to go through before you actually see what's normally shown on camera when the show premieres every year. Uh, there are a couple rounds and those rounds include one, the very first, and they're improv rounds. So you have to improv and normally you have to go and like, when you see the episodes, like they have like prepared pieces, solos and stuff to show, show to the judges to see if they get through. But these first two rounds were improv. And I remember this, <laughs> this, and uh, Jeff Thacker, who was a senior producer of the show, I think he still recalls this as probably one of the craziest, you know, one of the, one of probably the most stressful for any dancer to be called upon. So they put us into groups. I was in one group and I improv for my little moment. And then he brought me back out and he said, okay, we're just going to improvise for like, we're going to put some songs on. He put on all that jazz. He put on fear. You won't fall, which is like more of a contemporary thing. I think he put like a, like a, a Bollywood and then he put Lady Gaga on and then he put the, so you think you can dance theme on. And then he waved a ticket and the ticket would indicate that you would get through to the next improv round. And I was so excited. I sl- slid to him. And I was like, give me that ticket. And I just waved it up in the air and he said, good, give that to the person next to you. Oh, 
<laughs> so I was still, and I had like fingerless gloves. I thought I was really like hip at the time. I had fingerless gloves. And I threw them off, and then he continued. <laughs> Yeah, and then he continued to give everyone uh, tickets who were going to the next round, and I still was ticketless. So I was like, oh, boy, what did I do? And then he said, thank you very much. And then I I just kind of like, you know, with my tail between my legs, go and pick up my fingerless gloves, go pick up my backpack. And then he said, excuse me, excuse me, because I, I was like number three. He didn't, it was not name, name. Um, and he was just like, excuse me, number three, you seem to have dropped your ticket. Would you like another one? I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> what did I get myself into? And then it was it was not the same. We did an improv the next day in front of the judges, and then I did my solo. And then I had to go through choreography, um, and then I got the ticket to go to Vegas. So right in the beginning, that I mean, that just introduced everything to me as to what this journey was going to be like, and it was going to be something I would never, I had never experienced up to that point. I mean, like I was a competitive dancer who grew up on the competition circuit and, you know, and that's already stressful enough, but this is the next level up. It's probably like 10 levels up as far as like stress, intensity, anxiety, like, and when we got to Vegas, it was anxiety galore. It was crazy. Your year of high school. So are you just like out on high school so you can be like, you know, turning triple turns in Vegas? (laughs) Like a showgirl? Vegas week was like in the middle, it was like April. And then I took a week off. Um, and Vegas week is another thing where I was like, I was stressed out of my mind. And then hip hop came and hip hop at the time was not my strong suit. And then it was a nappy tabs co- uh, combination. My partner accidentally kicked me in the eye and I had to go sit down and injure. Meanwhile, there's a cameraman and a producer being like, so how do you feel, Jess? How do you feel? What's going on? What's going through your mind? What's going through your mind? <laughs> so I'm like, uh-oh. Um, you, have you watched any of those performances recently? They're, you're so good. It's wild. Oh, thanks. I mean, I've watched the, I mean, like, I watch them. Sure, I watch them. I mean, like, because I've had to put, like, business reels and things together. Yeah. So I see I see them because I would, I would like to include them because they're such a, it's such a unique opportunity and it's such a unique thing that I got to do. And you made um, it very far in the show. It's not like you were eliminated right away. No, I made it. I made. I made it through the top ten, which was the goal to make Amazing. it to the top ten. And then I made it another week. I made it to top eight. All right. Um, each choreographer. I had Stacy Tukey, I think, two times. I had Ty Diorio, Jean Marc Jean Rowe, Tony and Melanie, Justin Giles. These were all duets. And then the groups, the groups that I had. Oh, I also had Nappy Tabs for a duet. I had Jason Gilkinson. Um, sorry about Jason. Not, not about Jason Gilkinson, but about the number that he set on me. It was a rumba to set fire to the rain by Adele, and that was that was the last like co- competitive duet that I did on the show before I got eliminated. So anytime that I hear "Set Fire to the Rain," I'm like, oh, that's my swan song. <laughs> that's the end. What did you learn you from that experience? If you kind of look back at it, well, I mean, I I well, one thing for sure is that I was super, super young. I was only 18. I was the ripe old age of 18, which is the first year of eligibility for anybody to try out for the show. So that, that environment and that kind of pulsating thing every, every week, what, I mean, like it takes a toll on someone, you know, at that young age, if I was a little older, maybe it probably wouldn't have been as, you know, I probably would have been able to kind of have a more of like self-confidence in that sense. But because I was so young, you know, I felt that I was second guessing a lot of times I was psyching myself out. I was in my own head. So the moral of it was just like, you know, don't second guess it. I mean, I think when I eventually got on stage and I did it and I did every number leading up to it, it all kind of came together at the very, very end because I just kind of let go of everything. So basically everything that I learned was 
in the rehearsal studio, but then knowing how to throw it, throw it away, not, not, not be so focused on it and then just enjoy it because that's, what's going to come transfer through the television screen for people who are watching. I mean, I mean like, it's such good training. Like what a, what a cool experience, which sort of brings us to this. I, I'm kind of shocked you went to college because <laughs> it just seemed like things were going okay without it. Uh, so how hard of a decision was it to be like, Oh, I'm going to go to school for, you know, theater. Well, I mean, like I knew that at some case, if So You Think You Dance didn't work out that summer, that I would definitely apply. You know, I was, I was still auditioning for schools. Like senior year was a crazy, crazy year. So, I was trying out for So You Think You Dance. I was trying out for any, any and every program in the tri-state area uh, for musical theater, what we, whether it be Juilliard, NYU, uh, NYU Tisch, uh, SUNY Purchase, Pace, which I went to, um, Montclair State, like, uh, all that, all these schools. So I was just trying out for anything and everything. Just be like, listen, I am malleable. I can be fixed. I'm, <laughs> I'm a work in progress. So, but like pacing to be like the right fix, the right uh, fit for me. Did it, does it feel strange to be in a college program when you have like three Broadway credits and you've been on TV dancing and now you're sitting next to Stacey Abrams. That's not, that's not a good name. <laughs> Stacey Jellison from <laughs> Iowa who thinks she's really rocking and rolling. Well, it was really, it was a little, uh, cause when I first will remember, so I was supposed to go, my, my first year was supposed to be the fall of 2011. But what happened was I booked newsies. That's that the, the winter spring of 2012. So that wasn't going to work out. Also Sorry, I can't fall, go to school. I'm in a no, but then also in the fall of 2011, I was on tour with So You Think You Could Dance. Got so it. that for the fall and the spring were just, it was too crowded of yeah. a space and that was not going to happen. So I enrolled the fall of 2012. And when I got there in 2012, I remember there's one instance where I was talking to my mom. I was coming from like a class or something like that. It was a dance class. And <laughs> I see this freshman come running past me and she's on the phone with her mom. <laughs> She's just, she's just bawling, and she's just bawling at the phone. In the phone, she's like, "It was awful. It was awful. I got screamed at. I want to go home." I'm like, "What did I sign up for? What's going on here? Um, okay, here? so let's talk about Newsies because we could. We, you have so many stories, but um, so you're in Newsies on Broadway, the original cast. You play Buttons and Scab are your character names. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You need to adopt two dogs and name them Buttons and Scab. Like, <laughs> did you do it at Paper Mill as well? I did not. I was okay. well. This is during that crazy senior year. Yeah, I tried out for Newsies for Paper Mill during my senior year, and I originally booked it. I originally booked it, and then I held on. I held on to that offer uh, during the first couple few weeks of so you could dance. And then when I made it to the top ten, and when they announced that we were going on tour, um that uh, that I wasn't able to commit to it because I knew that the tour was, was going to be a unique experience. Like, when do you get to go on as a dancer and be the headliner or a part of the group, the main group that people are going yeah. to see? So that that I couldn't I couldn't do it at the time. But then I was like, did I screw up a chance because I knew that the show was transferring to Broadway? And then so The Grinch, Bye Bye Birdie, and Newsies, all three shows that I would eventually wind up in but never did the Chris, but never did the Thanksgiving Day Parade for any of them. So when I saw, and then when I saw Newsies on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, I was like, and this was the cast that did it at Paper Mill. So I was like, oh boy, did I really screw up this? I don't know if I'm going to be able to audition for this again. But as luck would have it, they had auditions again, and then they were still interested. So I joined the original Broadway company in the transfer from Paper Mill to, um, cool. yeah. 
How much did Chris Catelli set up choreography based on y'all skills? Because I feel like you're doing things that like only you know how to do. Yeah. I mean, like he definitely catered to our strength as far as individuality. And then like he knew how to kind of muster it all up for all of us to be a, a part as like a unison ensemble, a sound ensemble. Um, but when, when it came to individual stuff, I remember there was a moment in uh, King New York that was that did not exist at Paper Mill that included a section with spoons. So that was the one thing that was in, that was added uh, to the Broadway production. And they knew that Evan and I could tap and we can do a fun moment. And I think I even said, yeah, on my special skills, and this, this goes to show you, put this on your special skills and put the stuff that you really know what to do because you never know when you're going to use them. I put that I played the spoons because I played the spoons. My dad plays the spoons, so I picked it up from him. Um, so he saw that and he was like, oh, this could be a good <laughs> idea. So then we show up for rehearsal for King New York and then we start working on the section. It was just like, amazing so he knew that obviously we could tap and use our special skills to our advantage and then the same thing with the curtain call and i say to this i say this to everybody whoever asks what is what's the hardest part of the show it was that damn curtain call it was the curtain call because it was just so because you just did two and a half hours of amazing amazing dance athletic joyous incredible you know male you know a wonderful movement for dancers yeah. and then you do this curtain call you've already you're already gasping uh, gasping for air and then you do this curtain call and you're like oh and then you have to turn sections during the curtain call and it was just like wow so that was the hardest that was the hardest thing to do and on a steel deck too on a steel deck oh wild and that fan wild. reaction was so crazy from that show and i'm sure that is like the gift that keeps on giving from people mm -hmm. who know you and are obsessed with you from being part of that you know historic oh, yeah. musical Oh yeah, like going back to the first preview, like the first preview was like a rock concert. It was it was crazy. And like the Nederlander Theater, which doesn't even seat 1200 seats. Like that that theater was rocking that night. I was like it was like a wall of sound. I've only seen I've only heard that wall of sound a few times and that that's one of the few that I was just like, wow. It's and that that's a show also that shows how how powerful and how how powerful the show is, but also how powerful the audience was to convince you know disney in some case to really take this seriously because there there is a, there is a following here so i think they knew that and they think they knew that there was something special that was unique from any other show that they had ever produced and it wind up being what what it set out to be and continues to be so cool and you kind of now are just hopping from broadway show to broadway show kind of following newsies right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you go to On the Town, which is a huge show back at the Hilton Garden Magic Theater that changes its name every five minutes. What was it called then for On the Town? It was the lyric. Okay. On the Town was the lyric. Great. So it was it was it was nostalgic also because that that was the original name of the of the theater before yes. they kept changing it to all these different names and such. So that was fun, and that was the first time that I got to. Uh, it was the first revival that I'd done since Bye Bye Birdie, so that was fun. Uh, to kind of die back into an older, you know, sensitivity and that kind of timing and that such. Um, but it was great. And I got, and it was really the first time that I got to really showcase my character skills because I got to do a lot of choreography from Josh Bagas in the dance ensemble, but I also got to do just as much character work that John Rando provided to the director. And I got to do it with the, probably the best group of character actors I ever got to work with, you know, in a show alone. That was Jackie Hoffman, Michael Rupert, uh, Philip Boykin, Alice Gwynn, um, Stephen DeRosa. It, it was just like, it was like a, 
it was like an A-list team of theater character actor stars. It was the best. And I got to kind of tag along with it. It was great. And then Cats is, you left on the town to do Cats, where you, in the original revival, where you play the role of Mungo Jerry. Uh, That must have been very exciting, just like as a theater kid. I mean, was Cats anything to you? Yes. And I grew up with that VHS. Mm -hmm. So, and I remember, like, I just remember watching that VHS over and over again. Like, anything that I watched, I would watch on repeat. And I would just, like, anything that I didn't pick up lyrically, I would just kind of make up my own words. But it was nice to, like, actually learn the words of some of Could you believe that you were there? Like, oh, my God, I'm in a trash heap, and I am playing Michael Jerry and Cats. Like, look around. This is so wild. Well, I mean, like, and, and also just the group of people that I grew up, that I already had shared and just, you know, had created experiences with from other shows. We were all doing this together. The first ever revival of the show. Um, so it was a blast. And when you have Andy Blankenbuehler at the helm, too, whichever none, like they wanted, they obviously wanted to keep the spirit, the original spirit of the show, but Andy wanted to spice it up. And I think that's what he really did. Um, and I loved it. It was the hard, it's the hardest show that I've ever had to do. Even harder than Newsies. Is it because it's physically more demanding? Well, surprisingly, people don't realize that it is vocally demanding. Oh. It's vocally demanding. Like those vocal lines are through the roof. And no wonder that they have to have six uh uh singers off stage standing off stage creating more support sound because that they just need it and then there's a lot of things that you, that you can weigh you down like you know we're wearing unitards and like if you're sweating a lot it starts to get a little chilly um you're wearing yak hair uh i had to learn how to put makeup on like real like authentic like really yeah. like more professional makeup on myself because people don't realize that we do it ourselves there's not one makeup artist that does you know all the cats meow people <laughs> All right, we have to talk about Hello Dolly because it's been a huge part of your life because not only were you part of this original revival, not original revival, but revival with Bette Midler, but then you also played Barnaby on the national tour with Betty Buckley. So I want to talk about Hello Dolly and what that experience was like doing that on Broadway with Bette. Oh, I mean, this goes, like, because I was a part of the first, like, few, like, developmental stages of Dolly back, it was... The summer of 20, uh, 2016, and then we opened in 2017. So that was the very first time that I got to see what they were all about. And it was my second time working with Jerry Zaks. I worked with Jerry Zaks in the out-of-town tryout for a Bronx Tale at Paper Mill Playhouse. And I loved him. I adored him. I, he's one of the best people that I've ever had to work with. I'll work with him any day. Um, and I learned so much from him. So just through that developmental process and then working with Warren, again, Warren Carlyle, the choreographer. I mean, the team was just stacked it was amazing when you have scott rudin as well like it's it's good company and then you have bet and you have david gavin wild uh it was just like it was just like amazing um i just i just enjoyed it it was again it was one of those moments it's one of those things it was like the boy from oz it was like a hot spot to be in in the theater district you had to go see it while bet was in it and like she just soared and she was like a one woman hoot nanny she was like, a, she was a riot because anytime any show would be different. She never did the same show. Uh, sometimes it would just be from just like, you know, forgetting something and just going with it. And the audience would just have their own special show. It was like Woodstock. That very first preview, it was like the invited dress set. I mean, again, it set the bar for what was what was about to happen during that run. Um, and Do you have a favorite like, bet memory? Oh, I have too many. I have way too many. Well, I mean, like the first one, I, well, I have a good memory about the first um, rehearsal that we met her. It was like a group 
a company meeting. Jerry was obviously conducting it. And then Bet was like, I want to say something. So I'm like, okay, here we go. Here we go. She said, listen, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to having other people to work with, you know, to perform side by side with. I'm normally doing this by myself. And I know all of you are much better singers than I am, much better dancers than I am, much better actors than I am, but I know none of you are as funny as I am. So, I mean, like, we were all just, like, laughing because, like, we couldn't keep it straight. I mean, she's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, she's right. Absolutely. And she's she's that kind of funny that is just off the cuff and raucous, which I think for that kind of show, like, it, it just, like, it was made for her. It was tailor-made for her. And the, the costumes, the sets, like, that moment in time was such a wonderful space for all of us just to kind of just, and, like, it was just a positive show. It was good timing too for that show. Because was I it think- hard for you to leave? Because you left to do Carousel before you went on tour with mm-hmm. Hello Dolly, right? Yeah. Was it hard to leave that kind of atmosphere of working on the hottest, you know, ticket in New York? At the t- well, because I did the show for ten months. I think that was a good place to kind of because that was also when Bet left too, mm-hmm. and I knew that Carousel. You're like was- I leave with Bet. <laughs> it said that in my contract. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, but I knew that Carousel would offer something different because I knew that uh, choreography-wise and dancing Hello Dolly a particular way was a, was just a particular movement. But I knew that I wanted to change it up, and I knew that when the opportunity came up for Carousel, I was I was knocked down, and I couldn't believe it. And again, uh, I think at first um, I didn't book it, and then you know they came back and said, "Okay, yeah, yeah." So Absolutely. wild. I know it was, it was one of these weird, like, seren- like coincident, like coincidental things, just kind of like they come out of thin air. And then I remember, like, they they were kind enough to add a track for me for me, and it was just like, okay, I'm just gonna go along with it because they seem to be really making this work. Um, and I'm just gonna go for the ride. And again, that was that was another great group, another great group of people who set you know everything in place. Josh Henry, Jesse Mueller. Jesse Mueller is probably the most talent, one of the ta- most talented people I have ever come across and have ever worked with. She is a true chameleon. She can do anything. 100%. There's no one I'd rather see in a Broadway show. Oh, well, she, maybe, but I am obsessed with her. <laughs> well, she can do anything. And yeah. then you have Lindsay Mendez, who knocked, who knocked it out of the park. Um, uh, Alex Gemignani, uh, Renee Fleming. like we, wild. So cool to be part of that. It was just great. And like Renee was amazing. Like we would do these like fun, like little scat videos with Josh and Renee. And like, I would be singing did the same. Do that, did he? <laughs> we'd be singing the same parts like Renee and I, cause I can sing falsetto for a lot of stuff. And then Renee and I would sing the same parts. I'm like, when am I going to say that I sang <laughs> when I sang with Renee Fleming on the same vocal parts for a scat video? Oh my God. It's so funny. And then you leave Carousel to do the national tour of Hello Dolly and play Barnaby with yes. Betty Buckley and kind of resetting that up. How many of you from Broadway went on the tour? A few of us did. Quite mm-hmm. a few of us did. Uh, because, you know, you want to have people who understand this particular production and I was, we were still in previous for Carousel when I was asked and invited to do the tour as Barnaby. So I was, and like, I'm, I'm worrying about what I have to remember before that evening's performance at Carousel. And then I just get this news and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. All right. All right. Well, well, we'll put this in the noggin. We'll put this in the back of the noggin and we'll see okay. what happens. But, um, was yeah. it hard to do that with someone different after having this year with Bette Midler essentially to, kind of start the show with a different energy and a different kind of, I mean, Betty Buckley's not known for her comedy. So, you know, it's a very different experience and I'm a huge Betty Buckley fan, but I'm curious what that was like to be inside of both of those. Well, I mean, like with, with Bet, anything was just like, you know, she could, she'll, she'll do anything. She could do anything. And then 
I didn't I didn't do the show with Bernadette, but I know for Bernadette, for people who worked with her, it was just a different tone. But there's always something that like if if Beth didn't have one thing, Bernadette did, and like it was just kind of like, and yeah. that thing would stand out, and that would be the strength of the show. That would be the thing that would carry the show forward. For Betty, who I adore, um, her her thing that would be like so pinpoint that to the audience was her sentimentality, like her love and her emotion and her conviction in the material. And I think that came out the most during um, any song before the parade passes by was such a huge moment, you know, for her in the show. And, you know, that's when she really put her heart and soul. I think she puts her heart and soul into everything, into the material as much. And then Jerry guided her along the way, as far as her comedic, timing with Lewis Stadlin who played uh horse fan together as well. Um, but I just adored her because, you know, for us, like you don't want to see the same, you don't want to see the same show. You don't, you don't want to see every Dolly do it exactly the same. You want to see each one bring out something new in Dolly um, to, to just give the audience something new to enjoy. And you how cool to play a principal role in a show that, you know, it's huge and a big first national tour in many yeah. years of Dolly. So awesome. We have to touch on West Side Story before we get to Obsessed and Quick Fire Questions. <laughs> so what can we expect from West Side Story? When, is, when are we getting it? What can you tell us? Well, it's definitely going to come out this year. Okay. <laughs> definitely coming Whatever out this year. Were it. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, well, because it, we were all curious as to whether the movie was going to come out last year or not, because it was slated to come out December 18th, which was Steve, which is Steven's birthday of last year. It was supposed Steven to come Spielberg, out. Not I know <laughs> it's a birthday present to himself. Um, but uh, so we were all like, well, I mean, hopefully there's something to look forward to in 2020. Please let there be something to look forward to in 2020. But uh, sadly they knew that th they want, they want the cinematic experience. And I think knowing what we did, and I think because we and like Stephen said, like we gave everything we get, we got, we've we we had to give to the show, to the movie, to the production, and I think that'll come across on screen. I know that from what I experienced, I think all of the top performers in the in the film are just top drawer. Rita Marino, who you know again is just you know someone who just blows it out of the water, and then you have Rachel Ziegler, you have Mike Feist. Uh, Ariana DeBose, like the, the company is stacked again. And like when you have the Jets and the Sharks, uh, Jet Girls, Shark Girls, like the best of the best in the same in the same pond. And you're just kind of like jamming it out and, you know, doing it and, you know, learning from each other, inspiring, you know, being inspired by one another. Um, and it's just going to it's going to sound amazing. I, it's just it's just there's a there's a lot to kind of say, but I, I'm hesitant to say any more about it because I want to keep everyone engaged. It's so wild to be, you know, a theater person and then all of a sudden be on a huge budget movie. Like, yeah. it just must feel like a different world. Well, also because like when it came to scene work, dance was different because we had to rehearse it. But when it came to scene work, obviously you had to memorize your lines, but there was never any blocking or kind of anything ahead of time before a shoot day where you had to put, you know, do it on film you would rehearse like a maybe like a half hour before they would set up the shot and then that would be it so everything was a little bit more uh i wouldn't say last minute but it was definitely on the day of and like that was the emotion i think that steven was looking for nothing that would be too prepared in that sense because he would give he would give the direction because he knows what will be conveyed properly and you know that will be you know conveyed to the audience through 
the lens yeah. and that will be connected and translated to the audience in the theater too. Well, we can't wait for it. Jess, you are also one of the best teachers I've ever worked with. So, I mean, is there like a real sense that you would like to be choreographing and directing? Because I feel like that must be where we're going. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The dream is really to do a Tommy tune and to do my own thing while still be able to, you know, perform it. All right. Well, we want that. Okay. I need to know what you're obsessed with and then we'll do quick fire. So what is your obsession this week, Jess Lebrado? <laughs> you know what? I just got into Jacob Collier, okay. the, uh, the artist. It? All right. So I'm, I'm listening to all of his stuff, all of his music, and I'm just like floored floored right. because it's um, it, he writes a lot of original music but he does a lot of covers and his arrangements are through the roof and i i enjoy just listen i just started listening to it last week so i'm just like hooked on that for sure right. jacob collier my yeah. obsession this week is a tv show called alone together on hulu it stars <laughs> esther pavinsky do you know what the show is no it's so weird and so funny um <laughs> it's very very strange but check it out on hulu they're really great fun 22 minute episodes and uh I laugh very hard at it. So check it out alone together. All right, here we go. Broadway Workshop Quick Fire Questions with Jess Soprato. This is a series of questions put together by myself and students at Broadway Workshop. So here we go. First audition song. Oh, um, um, all I need is a girl. Favorite holiday. Christmas. First Broadway show you saw. The Lion King. Have you ever turned down a Broadway offer? Yes. Great. <laughs> One thing about working with Jesse Mueller. Oh, she's the best, like a chameleon. Feel in the blank. Steven Spielberg is the bomb. <laughs> if you can go back and do one performance of anything in your career, what would it be? Ooh, ooh. I would relive the boy from Oz again. What do you want on your bagel? <laughs> I want uh butter. I think I know the answer to this, but who's your favorite dolly? Oh, I don't. I mean, I can't pick a favorite. Okay, it's Bette Midler. Fan react, strangest fan reaction. Oh, strange interaction is probably. Well, I mean, like at Newsies and at Cats, anyone who is dressed up in the attire that you just wore on stage for two and a half hours, and you get to see them in person, I'm like. Well, I mean, like, kudos for you, but it was definitely, you know, taken back by also it. Very first. strange. Uh, <laughs> um, Go-to album for a car trip. Ooh, uh, Everyday Rapture. Have you ever called out mid-show? Uh, I have never had to call out mid-show. Wonderful. Worst audition you can remember? <laughs> I remember going in for Gypsy uh, for uh, the Patti LuPone revival and I was singing and Arthur Lawrence was behind the table and I was singing so loud that I think he had to plug his ears. <laughs> Who is your number one favorite Broadway leading lady? Ooh. Um, ooh, ooh. I'm going to say Jesse Mueller again. I want blank movie to be a musical. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Um, ooh, lean on me. Love that. Okay, what cat should Patti LuPone play in Cats, not Grizabella? Wait, say that again? You have to cast Patti LuPone as one cat, but it's not Grizabella. <laughs> I would cast her as Jenny Anydots. <laughs> Can you name two real housewives? Um, well, I mean, I'm from Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. So that's uh, Teresa and uh, what's her face? Um Oh, Dolores. Great. Do you know Dolores? There we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Okay. Have you ever family auditioned? Related, family, family trait. Oh my family. god, I, I want to know more about that. Have you ever auditioned for Bach? Yes. Okay. If you can choreograph the revival of any show, what would it be? Ooh, uh, Footloose and uh, co uh, Company. Yeah. Name a musical you're okay with never seeing again. Uh, <laughs> um, I would say Mamma Mia. <laughs> and it, that's okay. You're allowed. And if you could go back in time and see any Broadway show, any year, any show, what would it be? Uh, well, I, I think probably that groundbreaking perform, uh, production of West Side, 1957. Ooh. Who makes you starstruck? Oh, um, Billy Joel. Have you ever seen a ghost? No. <laughs> what is your Starbucks order? It is a grande, it's a grande tea. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, so British of you. What movie can you watch over and over? Um, Sing in the Rain. And my last question, what advice do you have for young dancers? Do your research. Do your research because YouTube is a great tool. Use use it because it's not just for kid uh, cat videos. There's a lot more out there than you know. Great. So, Do your research. It's an archive. It's an archival, you know, place where there's you know amazing footage of anything: dance, music, uh, acting, uh, creatively, any designing things too. Like that is the place. Like I that is the, that is the do-it-yourself place over there page over there Jess Laprado, we're obsessed with you at Broadway workshop I just think the world of you as a performer and as a person so thank you so much for joining me today tell the people where they can find you and follow you and what's going on with Jess Laprado. yes yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at jlaprado underscore official you can also find me on YouTube under Jess Laprado, Facebook under Jess Laprado, Twitter uh, uh, my handle is at DHS, which I've had since So You Think You Dance. Great. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, everybody follow Jess Leprado. Jess, thank you for being with me today. I had so much fun chatting with you. And thank you. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. And if you're loving the Little Me podcast, remember to rate and review and subscribe over at Apple Podcasts. And uh, follow us on Instagram at Little Me Podcast, and we will see you next week. Thank you, Jess. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network, and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash littleme. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.